If you would please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. This is God's word. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, 
Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that same day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. The man is old. 99. That makes me seem young. Okay? My mom lived to be 99. My father's mother lived until one week before her 101st birthday. I would say, without a doubt, this is old. Okay? And apparently, Abraham was not in denial about that. He was shocked by what God was saying. He has a 13-year-old son from a dubious alliance, and he is trying to make the best of it. And God shows up and says, I have plans for you that are beyond your imagination. And I want you to change your name Actually, he didn't say, I want you to change your name. He said, your name shall be changed. (laughs) You're no longer to be called Abram, which means exalted father. Now, think about the fact that that was his name all those years that they had no children. Okay? Before Ishmael was born. He's introducing himself to people as exalted father. Oh, really? Where are your kids? Uh, Don't have any. He's been stuck with that name throughout the years. God finally allows him to have this child, Ishmael, through his own doing. And now God says, we're changing your name. Instead of being called exalted father, you are going to be called the father of many. How'd you like to have to go back and explain that to your wife? How'd you like to have to go back and explain that to your employees? Abraham was commanded by God to make everybody else call him something that was going to seem like a joke. A cruel joke. Abraham obviously wanted to have sons and daughters. But his wife, whom he loved, was childless. At her insistence, he had had a child with her servant, Hagar. But now God shows up and says, I have plans for you. One of the things we see over and over and over and over and over in Scripture is that God's plans are not like ours. And God loves to design things in such a way that people are like, I find that hard to believe. It's as if 
God doesn't really need our input. And he wants to demonstrate again and again that he knows what he's doing and we need to get on board with him. So Abraham is told, I'm making a covenant with you and all this land where you are currently a wanderer, you are currently sojourning here, you are an alien here, all this is going to be yours and your descendants from now on. This is the inheritance that God promises. Right now, the election of a prime minister in Israel is world news. Okay? They've had five elections in the last four years. Because <laughs> they don't always see eye to eye, shall we say. But the fact of the matter is, why would anybody care? I mean, who cares what happens in Israel? God. Who, who else cares about what happens in Israel? Anybody who has any understanding of Scripture or world history or current events. Does that summarize it? What happens over there is important because God is working out his purpose. When it was believed that the Jews would return from all around the world where they'd been scattered and reestablish the nation of Israel. In Israel? <laughs> There's no way that could happen. Uh, you know, well, uh, yeah, I, I, I read the Balfour Declaration. That was interesting. But, um, you know, I, I, I just don't think that God did it. God brought them back, just as he had promised that he would do. And when that nation was born, again, as it were, 1948, people were like, this is just, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is going to work. When I was a teenager in the 1960s, the surrounding nations publicly and repeatedly declared that they were going to wipe Israel off the map. They were going to drive them into the sea. They were going to destroy them. Well, the Six-Day War didn't go as they had planned. Because after six days, the Arab nations around them were saying, what, what did we do? Why, how come they, they just came in and destroyed our Air Force? They took over. Why, this isn't right. Somebody stop. What happened? Well, some people say that it was a demonstration of how the United States encouraged a superior military force over there. But actually, I think there was something else going on. God was fulfilling his promises. And those who set out to destroy Israel got wrecked. Cory Ten Boom, who, along with her family, hid Jewish people in their home during the Holocaust, shares how 
her father said when the Nazis began to persecute the Jews, I pity them. Who, the Jews? No, the Nazis. I pity them, for they have touched the apple of God's eye. If you attack Israel, God notices. And he promises that he will bless those who bless Israel and that he will curse those who curse Israel. Sir, I mean, I thought Jews didn't believe in Jesus being the Messiah. Well, in terms of mass numbers of Jews, that's true. But you read the book of Romans and you find out that not all the sons of Abraham are true sons of Abraham because they do not share his faith. But those of us, even Gentiles, who come to know Jesus as Messiah, are adopted sons of Abraham. We get grafted in to the vine. God has not abandoned his people. And again, read the book of Romans. All who are truly Israel will be saved. Does that mean all Jews are going to be saved? No, it means all who are the people of faith, who recognize the Messiah. I watched a rabbi on television who absolutely despises Christians calling Messianic Judaism a cancer, okay? We've got to stop it. Well, not going to happen, fella. It's not going to happen. And the reason is because the Spirit of God is at work drawing Jewish people as well as, by the way, Muslims, Buddhists, all kinds of other folks, communists, all kinds of folks, to faith in Jesus Christ. What's happening right now in the world is an unprecedented move of God's Spirit drawing Muslims into the faith. And they're not becoming followers of Chrislam, kind of an amalgam of Christianity and Islam. They are realizing that Jesus is God the Son and that he loved them enough to lay down his life for them and they are putting their trust in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. God's doing that all around the world. So, when God spoke to Abram and said, from now on, your name is Abraham. Abraham, again, believed God. And from that point on, he was the father of many, even though he only had one son whose legitimacy is questioned. Well, then God says, you are to show that you are entering into this covenant, that you believe me, that you trust me by doing something that is going to be painful and um, hard to explain to all the male members of your household. Because the sign of the covenant is that all the males are to be circumcised. 
back when we used to meet in the dining hall years ago and there was a lot more Q&A going on. I would always allow time at the end for Q&A and uh, one of the students raised their hand and said, yes, what is circumcision? Well, we don't allow time for Q&A anymore. <laughs> but not because of that. I'll go ahead and answer that question because you need to know what it is and some of you have no idea what circumcision is and that's not to your shame at all. But circumcision is the, rem the surgical removal not in a hospital somewhere necessarily, but the surgical removal of the extra skin called the foreskin that is on a male child or adult's penis, unless it's been removed surgically. So it's literally cut away and removed, and the wound heals, and after several days, it's not a problem anymore. But for a few days, you've just been cut in a very sensitive area. The reason I explain that is because later on in the book of Genesis, that's going to become an important fact, okay? And if you want to understand that passage, you need to understand from this passage that circumcision is the removal, the cutting away of the foreskin, okay? You'll find circumcision and foreskins referred to all through the Old Testament, whether we're talking David having to pay a bride's price in foreskins or whatever. And it's like, this, oh, I really, TMI. No, actually not. Because this is a symbol of what needs to happen to our hearts. God wants to remove that which doesn't belong, and circumcision was a symbol of that. In the New Testament, it is compared to baptism. And there's a big controversy in the New Testament about whether all the Gentiles who become followers of Yeshua need to get circumcised in order to be part of the Christian faith. And this splits the church. And the folks who get it right are those who believed God that it's a new covenant. And the new covenant sign is baptism, not circumcision. So is that why we baptize babies? We don't baptize babies. Oh, some of us do. Okay, well, hear me out. The reason we don't baptize babies is because circumcision was a sign of your physical entry into the physical people of God with whom God had made this covenant. And so you were born into the family. But as the new covenant comes on the scene, Jesus explains to Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You can't be born physically into the new covenant. You can be born into a family that's part of the new covenant, but you've got to be born again in order to enter the kingdom of God. So physical birth into the Jewish family, you're part of the old covenant, and circumcision is the sign. Born again 
as one who's trusting in Jesus, born again into the new covenant, you receive the covenant sign, which is baptism. Does that make sense? Some of you got that. Now, he's told, you change your name, tell people from now on they're to call you the father of many, and line up all the guys, which is a lot of people. I mean, hundreds. Remember the militia he had? Line up all these guys and circumcise them. Can you imagine that family meeting? Got hundreds of people that are about to have a surgical procedure that is not going to be comfortable, and they're going to hurt for several days after. And the reason we're to do this is because my 99-year-old boss has decided that he is now to be called the father of many, even though he's only got that one 13-year-old kid. That's the only child he's got. And he's saying, "Uh, you're to call me the father of many. And drop your drawers. (laughs) I'm sorry, but if we don't understand how challenging this was for Abraham and his family and all the people who were part of his group, then we just don't understand. If we do understand that, then maybe it'll help us when God asks us to say or do things that don't feel comfortable, that kind of go against what we'd want to have to explain to other people. You understand? So you mean like if I have some weird thought that I'm supposed to do something bizarre, I, I need to just do it? No, no. Notice that after God had told Abraham what to do, it says, then the Lord went up from him. This was not kind of a feeling that Abraham had. I think I'm supposed to change my name and and cut myself. That, That was not what was going on here. God appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. And Abraham had already met with God, and he knew him. So, what if, what, if, what if I have a, you know, a bizarre thought? How do I know if it's God? Stick with this. This is God's word. If you do what God says in his word, a lot of people are going to think you're crazy. Okay? In other words, you don't have to come up with something out there. Just do this. Can you give me an example? Yeah, let's see. Um, How about love your enemies? What? Love your enemies. Why would I do that? God says so. I don't feel like that. That could be painful. I know. But it's what God did when he sent his son to the cross to save us. And now we're supposed to show what he's like by the way that we treat people who don't treat us well. So I'm just supposed to endure all kinds of abuse and just, you know, just welcome that? No. Even if you're no longer in an abusive environment, 
it's still good to pray about those folks. A young woman who was here years ago and who has told me more than once that I can share her story. On her sixth birthday, was raped by her stepfather. And um, he told her he had something special to give her, and he raped her. Thank God, she told her mom when her mom came home from work, and thank God, her mom believed her and took her to the hospital and reported it to the police. And the stepfather fled the state. But I'll tell you this, he can't get away from God. That girl, in God's mercy, was allowed to come to the ranch and did well here. Fell in love with Jesus. And years ago, when we were still meeting in the dining hall, during the Q&A, after one of the devotions, she raised her hand and I said, what is it? She said, is it okay to pray for someone who hurt you to be saved? I said, yes. Most of the people in the room didn't have an idea what she was talking about, but I knew. On the one hand, she didn't want that guy to hurt anybody else. But on the other hand, she had forgiven someone who had wronged her horribly. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we pretend that what they did is okay. Forgiveness means that we realize God has had mercy on us and we're now praying for him to have mercy on others. That comes from his spirit who was displayed perfectly on the cross. As Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. The world thinks that's crazy. The world will think you have lost your mind to forgive. My friend Ralph Newman, who's now in heaven, was horribly abused by his father when he was growing up. His father was a raging alcoholic, tried to kill Ralph more than once. Ralph ended up as a student at French Camp Academy, where he later became dean of students at French Camp Academy. Ralph was moved by God's spirit to go back and seek out his father and share the gospel with him. And his father prayed to receive Christ. And Ralph was so thrilled that we're finally going to have a relationship. And within 24 hours, his father had been murdered by a friend or former friend of his father's. Ralph was devastated. He finally is able to have a relationship with his dad, and now his dad is gone. Ralph went back to that town. And the man who'd killed him, there was no question about who did it. The man who had killed him was locked up in the jail. And Ralph said to the jailer, I need to see him. And the man said, I, I, don't, I don't think that's a good idea. Ralph said, no, I need to see him. And the jailer said, okay, here's the key, and I promise not to hear a thing. And Ralph went back there, 
and led that man to Christ. Crazy! Why would you want to see the person who murdered your father come to Christ? Be forgiven? Same reason you wanted your father who tried to kill you to come to Christ and be forgiven. Folks, if we got what we deserve, we would all be in hell. All of us. So when we discover the grace of God, we live in a way that doesn't make sense to the world. Abraham said, my name is father of many. Because God says so. And God sees the future. Will you trust him? That same God who has a plan for your life and may not make sense to you and you may wait a long time before you even get a clue what it is God has in mind. But step by step, will you follow him? God led him out of where he was, away from family and friends and to a place he didn't know and had never been before. And then while he was there, God revealed himself more and more and more over a period of decades. Now finally, when he's 99, God says, next year, you're going to have a son. And through him, I'm going to do great things. Let me tell you something. You can believe God's promises. Because God doesn't lie. And if you want to know what he says, read this book. He keeps his word. Heaven and earth will pass away. God's word will never pass away. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us beyond measure. For loving us enough to send your son. Thank you that you are the God who sees us. You are the God who hears us. You are the God who loves us. Help us to truly believe. And we'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.